America was founded on the promise of possibilities and opening up the floodgates of potential opportunity for all of us to grow, expand, and prosper. For the 18 million people worldwide and the 1 million people in the United States who live with cerebral palsy. According to the Cerebral Palsy Alliance Research Foundation, their portrait of success looks just a little bit different. But the good thing about it is diversity is at the strength of what is possible. The Cerebral Palsy Alliance Research Foundation funds U.S.-based research to change what is possible for people living with cerebral palsy. And they also implement proven science and advance forward innovation to affect everyone living with a disability around the world. The organization has also embraced several exciting new technological initiatives to make living with cerebral palsy that much easier and break down those barriers towards inclusion and full societal independence. All in an effort to ensure that the needle of progress for those living with cerebral palsy, including yours truly, can live a fully active and inclusive lifestyle. Jocelyn Cohen is the Vice President of Communications and Engagement for the organization, and she joined me this week to have a comprehensive conversation about how we can ensure that individuals living with cerebral palsy can be fully included in societal life thanks to advancements in research, technology, and education. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. take a moment to welcome you to the program and I'm super excited to learn about all the great work that your organization does. Great uh, to see you this morning and happy Friday to you. It's great to see you too, Kevin. I'm so excited to be here um, and share what Cerebral Palsy Alliance Research Foundation does um, and my experience with this organization over the last four and a half years or so. Yeah, absolutely. And I know your organization uh, fund some of the most important research for uh, people living with uh, cerebral palsy. So I'll just give you the floor to give me an overall a general view of 
What makes this organization so fabulous and why they love working there? I mean, couldn't ask for a better better intro than that. So um, we were founded in 2015 as uh, an organization solely focused on cerebral palsy research. And we did that for several years. Um, and then we realized kind of during the last few years with, with the shift to um, remote work, you know, throughout the pandemic, that technology is also quite necessary for people with CP and co-occurring disabilities. So there are a lot of other disabilities that can, um, that someone can have along with CP, someone can be visually impaired, hearing impaired, their digestion can be affected, their sleep can be affected. There's so many different conditions. And in order to pay the right amount of attention to CP, we have to view people as whole people and try to meet all the different needs that both you and I as people with CP would encounter. Um, so in 2022, in addition to our research funding, we launched Remarkable US, which is the first US-based nonprofit and disability tech startup accelerator. And it is part of the Global Remarkable program, um, which is run out of Australia. And the Australian accelerator is run by Cerebral Palsy Alliance, who we closely collaborate with, and we run um, the U.S. Accelerator. So we focus on research, we focus on innovation and technology through that accelerator, and then we also focus on implementation um, because if research is done, but it doesn't make it to practitioners and clinicians, it's not going to make it to the people like you and me who need it to help us manage um, our disability. It's not going to make it to the parents of um, newborns and children diagnosed with CP. And there are lots of gaps there. So um, we're focused on implementation there. And then we also um, empower people through education. So we have a podcast as well. We host a webinar series and we host disability tech talks. Um, so we, we kind of cover it from a lot of different angles. And then we also have a strategic partnership with the Cerebral Palsy Research Network, which is a 32 hospital network, and that helps um, within our implementation efforts. So a lot of good stuff going on here. Um, if there's something you want me to focus on first, I'm happy to. Yeah, for a more broader discussion, let's dive into uh, the competitive advantages you think that uh, these technology initiatives bring to uh, folks with CP and what you're most excited about with any uh, technology initiatives that you're currently involved with? Sure. So, you know, technology um, and really crucially, affordable assistive technology is what makes accessibility accessible as um, you may or may not have experienced, it's really expensive to be a disabled person. Um, no kidding. Right? <laughs> right? Um, you know, my friend who, she doesn't have CP, she has a different disability, her wheelchair costs $50,000. Um, and that is wild. So um, one of the real tenets of the Remarkable US Accelerator is that we work with companies who are making affordable assistive technology. The idea is to make accessibility actually accessible for people. Um, because if some amazing innovation is created, but it's unaffordable for the people who need it, then it's not going to go anywhere. And so our focus is on 
affordable assistive technology. Um, there are six companies in our co current cohort that I'm excited by all of them. Um, and they all address either CP or a condition that co-occurs with CP. Um, one of them is called Hominid X and it is, um, they have two different devices for people with either limb differences or grip issues um, to make their grip stronger, to make it easier for people to hold on to things, to grasp things, to turn things. Uh, and it is a revolutionary take on other types of cuffs that people might use to grip and grasp. Um, and that, you know, that is helpful for so many people with CP, anyone with CP who's whose arms or hands are affected. Um, there's another company called Spring Rose um, that created an adaptive bra. So someone who is missing an arm um, or can't use their arm or hand or can't lift their arm or hand, um, but wants to maintain the independence of getting themselves dressed in, in a very private way, they can do that. There's, there's a way for them to even just use a finger to close it instead of all of their fingers and two hands. Um, and that really restores or gives someone independence, restores independence or gives them that for the first time in getting dressed. And that's a huge step forward for dignity. Um, and also, you know, cuts down on the amount of time that they may spend getting dressed in the morning. And um, I don't know if you experience an energy difference having CP, but certain things may take more energy out of us than others. Mm -hmm. And if someone is using all of their energy to try to get dressed by themselves because they don't want someone else to do it for them, then they're tuckered out at the very beginning of the day. And that's like not an ideal way to start. And this in, in restoring or preserving independence and dignity is also preserving some energy for them. There's um, another company called Spinex in this cohort that is, it's a device that is non-invasive and not painful and it modulates neurological signals um, for people with CP. And it is uh, in clinical trial right now. It is super exciting. Um, I've spoken with parents of kids in the trial and there was a child who could not hold their head up, who can now hold their head up. So um, it's helping people with all different levels of CP. Uh, it's making it easier for people with CP to walk if it was harder for them to walk before. And it's making it easier for someone to hold their head up, you know, and look their parents in the eye. And, and that is a huge huge deal um you know it, it people in the outside the disability world like the non-disabled world often focuses on you know walking as the end all be all and i i don't think that's it you know what i think it is is whatever however and whenever you can get to where you need to go that's that's what works for you and if sometimes you use an assistive device or always use an assistive device that's fine. But as long as you can preserve your energy and enjoy wherever you're going, um, that's the most important thing. And then by focusing on the movement side of it in that way, it's sort of lost that, you know, holding your head up is a huge part of, of conversing with people, of interacting with people, um, even if you can't speak, you know, facial expressions, all of that. And it's just amazing to me that there's technology um, that can do that for folks. And in the broader scheme of things, 
technology just makes the workforce more accessible for people with disabilities, um, including CP. And we're we're kind of at a time right now where those conversations are being had and it's a really great way to sort of shape the future of work um, through having conversations with disabled people about what their access, access needs are um, and if they have an apparent disability or they or they have a non-apparent disability, um, if they're comfortable disclosing their disability or if they're not comfortable disclosing. There's technology that can help them um, in any realm. So it's really exciting stuff. And I didn't even cover everybody in our cohort, but I'll stop talking for a bit in case you have any questions. Yeah, I, just building on the workforce piece of it, as you know, I, I work with companies to elevate their hiring of folks with disabilities. So I wonder if you could expand just a little bit on both your personal and professional opinion on how uh, people with uh, cerebral palsy or other uh, disabilities can really provide a competitive advantage to a workforce because they can really help them uh, sort of vault into the age of innovation, can't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, we, I like to say we are the masters of adaptation. Um, we, as we have a disability that's been with us our whole lives, we live in a world that was not built for us. The world is just not built for disabled people. Um, and one of the things I'm proudest of um, with our work at CPARF is that we're doing our absolute best um, to make sure we get the world closer to being built for disabled people. We can't change it all. We can't change it all overnight, but we're doing our best um, in every sphere that we can. And so being disabled people and having to be masters at adaptation, seeing, you know, seeing a situation and saying, that's not going to work for me, but here is what's going to work for me. I think it gives us each um, a unique perspective. And my CP is different from your CP, is different from... Um, my friends' versions of CP, I have a lot of different friends of CP. We all have similarities and we all have differences. Um, our experiences as disabled people in the world and as um, just people with whatever other identities we have in the world, we bring that perspective to the workplace. And I think um, we see things through different lenses. And I like to say that if you know one person with CP, you know that one story. And there are 18 million people with CP in the world and 1 million of us uh, here in the US. I'm not sure of the Canada number though, but maybe you can speak to that. And so we have, we have all these different perspectives. Um, we can spot accessibility issues, but also beyond that, um, because we just see the world through different lenses than other people might, we can we can bring those lenses to non-disabled areas as well. So I wouldn't want um, if someone who is who has a certain kind of disability goes to work for a company and they only have that person focus on disability related things, but that person has skills in three other areas that aren't being touched, I wouldn't want those those skills to be ignored. Um, you know, it's about seeing that we bring this different perspective to the table, but also seeing us as whole people with additional skills and interests and perspectives um, throughout what a company or an organization might need. Yeah, and just uh, one final follow-up on the workplace piece before 
before we move on to the science part of the organization, what are your methods to employers who may want to hire folks with disabilities or those with uh, cerebral palsy but are hesitant to do so? What would be your message to uh, the positive benefits of hiring someone with a disability? What would you uh, tell employers? I mean, well, two things. One is you cannot lose by hiring someone who's disabled. Um, they, we and everyone else in this very huge group, there's about, I think, a billion people disabled in the world. Um, we bring a wealth of different perspectives, whether we have CP, um, which is an apparent disability or some other non-apparent disability. And when you have diverse perspectives at the table, it elevates the work. Um, it's going to, to flesh out the things that you're working on in a different way. Um, and this is just, you know, disability is, is one part of diversity that maybe gets overlooked. And I think sometimes people are scared of disability, um, maybe because they've never encountered someone with a disability before. Maybe they've seen images of people with disabilities and, and they see them in a specific way. We are just people um, looking to contribute to the world in in the ways that that match our skill set. Um, the other piece I will add is that we have an accessibility and action series here at CPARF, um, and we have a workshop coming up in July and another one coming up later in the year that's sort of geared toward companies who are interested um, in bringing more disabled people into their workforce and in becoming really a more accessible and more inclusive workforce. Um, one other note that I'll bring up as far as disabled hiring goes is let the disabled person um, be your guide, but also don't be afraid to ask questions. I think a lot of times people are hesitant to get into awkward conversations. They think they might hurt someone's feelings, but um, sometimes you can't meet an access need without asking a question. And so by thinking a little bit differently and a little bit more broadly and getting outside of your own comfort zone, you will tap into a really great market of people who are looking to work, contribute, and make a difference in society. And I also highly recommend um, coming to the Accessibility in Action series, uh, which is up on our website, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, uh, just before we move on, I'll tell you, if you ever need a, a speaker for that series and want to motivate uh, some employers to hire inclusively, uh, don't lose my number, okay? <laughs> I got you. I got you on that, for sure. And I have to tell you, I find the work that you do from a science perspective equally as fascinating because I know that you you continue to work on the science end of things to help develop therapies that meet the scientific needs of, 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 of children and those of with CPD in terms of treating their chronic pain and other uh, elements. So tell me about the science angle of the organization and the advancements and important work that you're doing from a scientific research perspective as well. 
Sure. Um, there's a lot to cover, but I'll use um, a few examples. And one thing to note is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we started as this research organization. And um, the reason that we added technology along with what I stated earlier is that people need answers now. And so technology is going to bring that help and those answers much more quickly. Um, but the research pipeline is also incredibly important. And research just takes longer to meet people by virtue of the way that studies and clinical trials and approvals are um, in the scientific community and rightfully so. So we have five research areas that are priorities for us. The first is early detection and early intervention. So the sooner that someone is diagnosed with CP, the sooner that they can get the treatments and interventions that they need and take advantage of the neuroplasticity or sort of the flexibility of the brain to create new pathways and and um, sort of be get the best possible start that they can in life. So I was diagnosed with CP at around eight months of age and started getting PT at that time and occupational therapy as well at that time. A lot of people aren't diagnosed until they are a year old, a year and a half old, two years old, three years old. Um, so some of the early intervention and early detection uh, research that we funded has helped make it so that CP can be diagnosed as early as 12 weeks, um, which is huge because again, the sooner you teach movement patterns and get involved with, with the child, um, the better the start that you're giving them. Some of the early intervention research we're funding is looking into making um, physical therapy a bit more comfortable for kids with CP. So I know uh, that my PT experience as a kid, while I loved my physical therapists, it was incredibly painful. Um, so if there's any way that we can make it more comfortable and more likely that um, a child is going to, you know, comply with their physical therapy inside and outside of the sessions, the better. Um, if you, you know, if you have a kid who they absolutely hate it, which is understandable, and they're crying and throwing a tantrum, then you can't um, give them the PT that they need. So working with um, different technologies in, in that therapy to potentially make it more comfortable, um, Another research area that we fund is chronic pain. And um, some of the studies we funded are looking into sort of the origins of chronic pain and CP. There are a bunch of different types of pain. Your pain could be from nerves. Your pain could be from muscles. Your pain could be from your muscles pulling your bones. Um, and looking into the ways to treat that pain that are non-addictive. Um, so a lot of CP pain is often treated with opioids and that sort of, for lack of a better word, can zonk people out. And we want people to be able to not have to experience pain, but also be able to participate in the lives that they envision for themselves. And so funding chronic pain research is a huge step in that area. 75% um, of people with CP, so about 13 and a half million of us, experience chronic pain. It's, it's hugely common in CP, and it's for all kinds of different reasons. Um, we also fund technology research. So I brought up um, Spinex before, which is that neuromodulation technology that is placed on the skin um, that is non-invasive and not painful. We're also funding some of their research. So in, a different, in addition to them being a startup in our remarkable US cohort, we're funding them on the research side. Um, 
And then we're also funding research into genomics, which is going to be helpful down the line for something called precision medicine. Um, it's thought that up to 30% of CP cases have some genetic component to them and that they aren't necessarily just based on a brain injury or they're based on a combination of circumstances that we don't fully understand yet. And by uncovering some of this information, we can revolutionize treatment down the line um, for people with CP. Because there may be all different types of CP that we don't know of, for example, and then maybe we could say, oh, you have this type of CP, well, these three treatments work, but don't even touch this one, it's not gonna work for your type, or something like that. That is further down the line, but it is really important foundational research that is happening now. And then we're also funding, funding regenerative medicine research that looks into um, whether we can lessen the severity of CP. So that the brain injury with CP doesn't change as you age, but as you may have experienced, like just aging with CP happens sort of at a different rate. Like maybe your legs get more tired or they hurt more than they used to. And it's from being in a body with CP for however many decades. And so if we, if we can lessen severity of CP at the beginning, then it's a little bit of an easier start and it, the aging might hit a little later on in life than it does right now. Aging hits people with CP at, at all different times. It's actually really fascinating. Um, and we hope to fund in the future, some research specifically on aging and CP. Um, that's not up on our site yet. And um, we'll see, we'll see what we fund in the future, but it's something that's really important um, to us. I mean, to me personally, as an adult with CP, I want to know what's going to happen in my CP future. <laughs> um, but also, I'm, I'm hoping that um, some research comes down the line that can that can help all of us in that regard, because not nearly as much is known about uh, aging in CP as it in like the first 18 years of life. Um, so that's a small snippet of some of the research that we funded or that we're currently funding. Yeah, absolutely. You've certainly done your part in uh, beginning the conversation on how we can better uh, serve and include folks with uh, cerebral palsy for sure. But uh, Jocelyn, as you know, we're on the heels of uh, Disability Pride Month. As yes. we, we have this conversation to tell you about the importance of marking the occasion and what it means uh, to you personally and the organization at large. Why do you think people should care about uh, this month and what it stands for? Sure. So um, I have spastic diplegia CP, um, and that means that my my legs are directly affected by CP, um, but everything's affected because everything in your body is connected. Um, and my personal um, journey around disability pride has been like a very winding path, but I think ultimately disability pride is important because pride is the opposite of shame and i don't want anyone who has cerebral palsy or any disability to be ashamed of themselves because they have cerebral palsy or whatever disability they have they should be proud to be in 
in the body that they have. They should um, share their experience as they're comfortable with the people around them so that they can further amplify their own pride in their experience. And it doesn't, by having disability pride, it doesn't mean that there aren't days that are difficult. It just means um, that I'm going to say, yes, I am proud to have this disability, even if it bothers me sometimes or a lot. Um, because the most important thing is to be proud of yourself and to not be ashamed of of who you are and of your of your experience. Um, and the reason it's Disability Pride Month is that the anniversary of the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act is July 26th. It was passed um, in 1990. And while there has been a lot of progress on the accessibility front, there is still so much more that needs to be done. And so throughout the month of July, um, we're going to be highlighting different disability stories. We're going to be asking folks um, on our social media feeds to share different experiences and thoughts about disability pride um, and to draw attention to making the world a more accessible place um, because then, then we'll be more out and about. You know, I saw on Instagram, I believe this person's screen name was Pacing Pixie. I do not want to take credit for their design, um, but they created something that is the cycle of inaccessibility, essentially. If the world is inaccessible, then disabled people can't get out as much. And then non-disabled people don't see us. And so they don't think that accessibility is important because we're not out there. And then it, it begins again, making the world an inaccessible place. And so pride is about speaking out um, to make the world a more accessible place for us all. And as in my role as vice president of communications and engagement, um, I connect with other adults with CP. I connect with parents and caregivers of children with CP. I connect with clinicians and researchers. And a lot of the times I'm sharing my story or someone else is sharing their story with me um, as a safe and open place and space to understand each other's experiences and sort of further the mission of making the world um, a more accessible place. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you want, uh, I would certainly be open to sharing my uh, story living with CP for the month. If you ever need a social post, I'd be glad to do it, okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll connect. Uh, on that later, but I, I also wanted to ask, ask you about the future of innovation as it comes to CP. We've talked about science and technology, but how do you think it all uh, uh, melds together when we think about the future of treating and living with CP? When you think about the word innovation when it comes to cerebral palsy, what do you think of? I mean, I personally am thinking of our remarkable U.S. cohort, but um, what I think and hope is that ultimately the research and innovation sides of things will intersect with each other, that, that scientists and clinicians who are doing research will partner with different disability tech startups, different disability um innovation companies, different people with disabilities to, you know, co-design 
um, what they're doing so that the research that is done is serving and meeting the needs of the people and that the technology that's created is serving and meeting the needs of the people. Because a lot of cool things are done and a lot of cool things happen, but if they're not serving and meeting the needs of someone, um, it's less exciting to me. So my hope is that you know research and innovation really combine. But frankly, there are a lot of inventive, creative people out there um, who are working on, you know, technology and products and services that just can make everyday life easier for people with CP and other disabilities. I want them to keep doing those things. I want them to find us um, with Remarkable US and our and our director of that is Molly Levitt. And she's always looking for um, interested and enthusiastic innovators to talk to, um, you know, for the next cohort that we'll be doing. Um, I think I mean, it sounds cliche to say the sky's the limit for the future of innovation, but I think the future of innovation is is where innovation will open the world for people like us. You know, between making it easier to grasp something, making it easier to move, making it easier to get dressed. Um, there's another company in the cohort that is focused on um, reusable intermittent catheters that can be disinfected so that People who need to catheterize to use the bathroom um, won't get deadly UTIs. Like that, no one really likes talking about going to the bathroom, but it's really important for everybody and for people with, uh, some people with CP and people with other disabilities, like that could be deadly. And so there's a company in our cohort now working on that. So, you know, working on both the things that um, make everyday life easier and make everyday life more fun. So that it's not just focused on like the non-exciting but important parts of life, but also what's going to make it easier to go to a concert? What's going to make it easier to travel? Um, in our last cohort last year, um, there's a company called Participant Assistive Products, and they created a lightweight transportable wheelchair um, that can just easily go on planes, easily be stowed. And that's a whole different thing. So again, it comes back to what I said earlier um, in, on the employment side of things. It's also just like looking at a disabled person as a whole person who would want to do all the things that a non-disabled person would want to do. Um, so frankly, the future of disability innovation is really exciting. That is a short end to a long-winded answer that I hope answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my friend, I, I'm wondering if you can tell me about what, what you think people uh, need to know about cerebral palsy when it comes to living with it. And when, when you think about breaking down barriers towards CP, we've talked about that as well. So tell me about the importance of the continuing conversation in terms of breaking down barriers, and that is a part of your own uh, individual journey with CP that you'd like to share. Sure. Uh, I think it all comes down to communication. So I'm a verbal communicator, but if someone is a nonverbal communicator, meeting them where they are um, and meeting them on their level and being okay asking questions um, that said, I am 
a self-advocate and um I realized that my first self-advocacy experience happened when I was in the hospital when I was in uh recovering from surgery and I was five years old and they wanted to take blood out of my finger and I said no take it out of my arm it hurts less and they were arguing with me as a five-year-old and ultimately I won the argument um because I knew what was best for me what was going to work for me um I learned that by watching both of my parents advocate for myself and so in whatever way someone can self-advocacy is the best way to break down barriers and from the non-disabled side of things staying curious educating yourself um being unafraid to ask questions if you ask a question and it upsets someone being okay with the fact that it upsets someone because that's still a learning experience for you that's still information that you can glean um and being a lifelong learner and understanding that literally every person in the world has a different experience and they have a story worth knowing they have an experience worth hearing about but basically conversations are at the center of the whole thing of of breaking down barriers and i like to call people in if they say something um that isn't the best i say i appreciate their intent um this might be a better way to handle it. And it's okay that you said it this way, um, but in the future, maybe say it in this other way um, that could be more inclusive uh, in the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I know overall, your organizational goal is to foster a broad and balanced portfolio to help the CP community and in as many ways as possible. So as we sort of round out our conversation this morning, I'm curious to ask you, how do you think the mission is going and where do you think uh, the organization is going in the future in that regard? Um, I'm really excited about the work that we're doing right now. The fact that we are on all of these parallel paths um, is exciting to me. You know, we are we are following this research path in these in these five research areas. Um, we are following this innovation path to help people with CP and co-occurring disabilities. We're following this implementation path with the 32 member institutions of our strategic partner, the CP Research Network, and we're connecting with the community um, through their platforms as well. We're having conversations with other CP organizations and you know, we understand that that collaboration is at the heart of everything, that conversations are at the heart of everything, um, and that innovation makes all of those things even better, whether it's scientific or technological, and that it's really important to make accessibility accessible to everyone. And so we're trying to meet those ends, meet those needs in all of the work we're doing. Um, and I think we're, we're well on our way. We can always use um support we have a few fun initiatives coming down the line so if people want to sign up for our mailing list and learn about those and ways that they can support our work we welcome that yeah absolutely and Jocelyn, my final question for you has to do with your own sort of personal and professional legacy and how you want that to be defined um well, thank you for asking that question. So it's interesting. Before I <clears throat> worked here, so I started working here about four and a half years ago. Uh, before I worked here, I was not in the disability space. I was at different nonprofits or for-profit companies. And 
this role serendipitously landed in my lap and it was everything I didn't realize I wanted in a role. And it has been, it has been really fortifying to be in a position to use both my personal experience as an adult with CP, my professional experience as a writer and communicator, um, to elevate the work that we're doing, the work that's being done, and to communicate and connect with the research community and the innovation community about what it's like to live as an adult with CP, what it was like to grow up as a child with CP, and what my hopes are for the generations that come up behind me. Uh, when I started working here and we were solely focused on research, my thought was, was that I'm doing this not for myself because research has such a long timeline. I am doing this for the younger adults behind me, for the teens behind me, for the kids behind me, for the children that have not yet been born that will be diagnosed with CP um, because this hasn't been done before. This is um, one of the most overlooked and underfunded disabilities, even it, though it is the most common lifelong physical disability. And so playing a part in making life easier for people with CP is really important to me. Um, and another way that I do that is I also speak with um, physical therapy students so that when someone with CP rolls or wobbles into their clinic, that's not going to be the first person with CP that they, that they've known. They will know, um, my story and that will help inform how they treat someone else with CP. So those are two things that are um, important to me, my legacy, I guess. And I would hope um, that people find me and our organization as approachable as a place um, that they want to get to know more about as an organization whose work that they want to support. Um, and I view that as a crucial part of my role and, and my legacy. Absolutely. And finally, uh, Jocelyn, tell me if people want to get connected with the Cerebral Palsy Alliance Research Foundation, what's the best way they can do that? The best way to do that is to go to our website. Um, it's www.cparf.org. That gives you more information about what I talked about. So that's like what you generally find on a website. But if you want to continue conversations with us, Follow us on social media at research for cp um, That's the word F-O-R. And um, if you maybe want to include those in the caption below this, that's the, that's the best way um, for people to find us. Research for CP is our name on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Well, um, so you can find us on all those platforms. Fabulous. Well, I, I want to... Uh... I want to thank you for joining me this morning, Jocelyn, and all uh, for your uh, incredible work in advancing forward the lives of uh, individuals with uh, cerebral palsy and someone with uh, cerebral palsy myself. I uh, commend the work that you're doing to break down those barriers towards inclusion for uh, a more a robust conversation on how we can include everyone in this uh, grand adventure we call life. So I want to thank you for the good work that you're doing and, and for joining me this morning. It's most appreciated. Thank you so much for having me, and I will definitely be in touch about some of the other work that we're doing with you.